Psalm 46, Psalm of the Sons of Korah. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. The nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You know, we're all hanging on to something. All of us. Now, All of us are kind of hanging on to a lot of things to make our life better. But we're all hanging on to something or a few things to actually make our lives. And Psalm 46 helps us understand this morning, if if you're going to put that much trust in something, you might want to make sure that it is secure and can deliver what you're actually hanging on to it for. I remember growing up hearing sentences like this. Now look, one day when you grow up, what you want to do, you want to buy land, you want to buy a house, because land and house, God's not making any more land and houses, or you never lose money on land and houses. And, uh, and, and then coming out of college and, and trying to you know, learn and being a young husband, buy stocks and hold. Because the American stock market, there's nothing like it. And you'll, you can, over time, you'll never lose money in the American stock market. I mean, it, those two things were like mountains that were always going to be there, always going to be secure. And then came 2008, 2009, and now 2010. Maybe it's going to get better. Starting in 2008, those financial mountains, those things that we thought were just cracked down the middle with this fallout, this economic crisis, and they begin to dissolve and we're just washing into the ocean right before our very eyes. Now, they didn't completely disappear, but there are people in this room that lost huge amounts of money that they accumulated over incredibly long and patient time horizons. Mountain gone. And when the mountain left, jobs left, and sleep left. There's all kind of mountains that can be washed into the sea. I know people whose spouse suddenly left them because they've been chatting with somebody on the internet. Mountain gone. 
Or maybe they didn't get a job. And everything was predicated on getting that job. Mountain gone. You know, you young people, the breakup. I think these, some of these relationships are closer than they should be anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. The breakup. Mountain gone. Psalm 46 tells us that God is there when the mountains of our life are washed and into the sea, when they are crumbling and falling. And it tells us that he is the only one that we actually can trust anyway. So why not trust him now? That's what Psalm 46 says. Why not trust God now? Because he's the only one you can trust. And the good news is you don't have to wait till your mountains are crumbling and falling into the sea to trust God. Now, some of us will wait until those mountains are crumbling to actually let go of them and trust God. But wouldn't it be a mercy of God if we actually saw that God was over the mountains, more powerful, more reliable, and all these things aren't necessarily bad. They're just not God. And so we're able to let go of them and put our trust in God. So what do you do when your mountains are crumbling and washing into the sea? Three things in this passage. And you, can, you don't even have to have your mountains crumbling. You get God-centered. You get faith-oriented. And you get still before the Lord. Let me say that again. You get God-centered, faith-oriented, and still before the Lord. First of all is you get God-centered. You focus again, yet again, on God. This psalm begins and ends with God. Verse 1, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our ever-present help, help in times of trouble. And there just comes a time, folks, when we have to let go of that person or that thing or those things. And, 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 and yet again, see how trustworthy God Almighty is. And I'll be honest with you, I've had to be reminded of this many times in my life. And sometimes I I was able to see it and and just do it, and that's really great. And sometimes God just had to pry my fingers off those crumbling mountains because they were going to crumble and they weren't going to be something you could hold on to anyway. But I will tell you this, that in those moments where I finally went, oh, yeah, God, yeah, him, (laughs) Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you to make things work out. I'm going to put my trust in you because you are stronger and higher than the mountains. I will tell you, there is a sense, an inward sense of security that I have had at those moments, even though the issues had not disappeared. I just knew that God was going to take care of me. And it's it's wonderful to know the one true and living God. God is there. God is our refuge the psalmist says. That means he's our shelter. He's our secure place. He's our fortress. You need a refuge. You're going through something where you need a refuge. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God's going to give us strength so we don't fall apart. Sometimes we choose the other way. We fall apart. Then God has to give us the strength to come back. I'm not sure which way it's going to happen in your life, but, but he will give us strength to, and the power to live for him and not fall apart. And then the other one is God is a, quote, very present help in trouble. It's interesting where our language today comes from. The word Hebrew in Hebrew here for trouble has the connotation of being in a, in a, in a constrained space or being in a, a tight space. We still say that today, don't we? What do we say? I tell you, I'm in a tight spot. 
You ever heard that? I'm in a tight spot right now. What that means is, is I'm, I'm in trouble. God is there when we are in a tight spot. He's a refuge, a shelter. He is a strength. He is there when we're in this tight spot. You know, I can't hardly read Psalm 46 without thinking of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was the great father of the Protestant Reformation. 1517, the, the Protestant Reformation began. And you've got to understand, Martin Luther really didn't have any intention of leading such a uh, a vast endeavor, and his life was threatened every moment of his life from then on. There were people all over the continent of Europe that wanted him dead. He had a bounty on his head, all kinds of enemies. And his favorite psalm was Psalm 46. In fact, there are these stories about he and Philip Melanchthon, one of his fellow leaders in Wittenberg, Germany, where they would just basically say Psalm 46 back to one another because they needed a fortress, you see, from an attack. They needed a shelter. They needed strength. They were in a tight place every moment of their life. In fact, Luther loved this so much, he made a song out of it about God being a fortress. Does anybody know what it is? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. It is based on Psalm 46. Do you need a refuge? Do you need God's strength? And his present help in your life, I do. Now, one thing I will, I will show you is that this is not something God wants to give you. Notice it doesn't say God wants to give you a refuge and give you strength. Look at the, look at the text. God is our refuge. God himself is our strength. This is about how we can know God and the presence of God makes all the difference. Rather than hanging on to things that cannot finally make the difference, God's presence gives us perspective, God's presence gives us, us peace, and a kind of security that we can move on. Now, I will say on a side note that it doesn't say God is my refuge and my strength. You notice that? God is our refuge, our strength. And, and, the, and the point is this, is that the Old Testament and the New Testament were written from an angle that is altogether foreign to American culture. In American culture, we see spirituality this way. It's me and Jesus, and me and Jesus can handle it just fine, and I am an individual Christian, and if I happen to be with some other Christians sometime, that's just dandy, but what I really need is just Jesus. That is not the way the Bible's written. The Bible is written that God is the God of his people and his people are gathered together in community that salvation is actually something we have individually but it's always in the context of community. In fact, you cannot learn about how God is our refuge and our strength and, and the, the help, the ever-present help in time with not being in community. I mean, just a, 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 a way to say this would be this way. Um, Right now, in this sanctuary, there are people going through five-alarm stuff in your life. And you're like, man, I need, I'm so glad. We're looking at Psalm 46. I need a refuge so bad. I need a strength so bad. Well, in your personal life, those things come around. I mean, you need God every week, but those things come around every once in a while. And so to, to, 
together we remember better because every single week if we are together in worship for the Lord, if we are talking every single week, somebody's saying, let me tell you what God did in my life. You see, alone we forget. Together we remember God is our refuge, our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so the first thing is when your mountains are falling into the sea is we get God-centered. The secondly is we get faith-oriented. If God is there as our refuge and strength, we need to put our faith in him. Look at verse 2. Therefore, don't you love that? Therefore, something's going to happen out of this recognition of God. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give away and mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and surging. I mean, it doesn't matter. Earthquakes, tsunamis, personal tragedy, it doesn't matter. We will not fear because we have God. And we're going to put our trust, our faith in God, and God is going to lead us through this, and God is going to lead us on, and we can count on God. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, everybody's hanging on to something. Right now, you're hanging on to something. Human beings are inherently religious. Everybody in this room is worshiping something. You can't help but worship something. You can't help but put your faith. You're looking for something to put your faith in. The question simply is, what are you putting your faith in and how reliable is it? You see, that's what Psalm 46 is saying. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the refuge and the strength and the one who is always present in our lives. Because if your faith is in mountains of your choice other than the unmovable, unshakable God of heaven and earth, you will crumble right along with those mountains. You can write that down. You will crumble. We will crumble right, because you're only as strong as what you put your faith in and what you worship. You know, faith in God is so powerful. And this text kind of goes on to, to show why we should put our faith in God. It's because God is different from anything or anybody we can put our trust in. You know why? God's, God's not a part of the system he created. God's not in any linear progression where, where somebody like has it over on God. Like he's not in the system where he, he's beholden to any man. God's never forced, nature never forces his hand to do anything. God is above his creation. Now, God fills all his creation, Right? But he is separate from his creation. Therefore, he is the reliable one. He is able to come in and deal in our lives in the midst of a fallen world. But he's above and beyond and he is worthy of our trust. Look at verse 4. It's so fascinating. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. He's talking about Jerusalem here. And some people think it's talking about the the new Jerusalem, and we can extrapolate that it could be talking about heaven here, but, but this is a psalm, and, and you'll find out in the next few verses, this is about Israel, this is about Jerusalem. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. Guess what? Jerusalem doesn't have a river. Jerusalem is one of the few ancient capitals that was not built on a river. 
Guess what? It doesn't matter. God will be the river. You see, God doesn't have to deal with the fact that there's no river. God's not in the system. He's not beholding. God can do what he wants to do, and God will establish a river of grace and then streams off that river right to where the great need of our hearts and lives is. Isn't that wonderful? He's above and beyond. Verse 5. God is within her, Jerusalem. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. Maybe you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Jerusalem fell. Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. This isn't referring. This is written before that. This isn't referring to that. In fact, there are some people who think that the author of this psalm is King Hezekiah who wrote this psalm and gave it to the sons of Korah to put it to music because there was an army, the most dreaded army in the world, led by a general named Sennacherib. He was the army of the Assyrian hordes who demolished the northern kingdom. They advanced on Jerusalem. Hezekiah put his trust in God, and there were Assyrians dead all over the ground. And they got up and left, and they never challenged Jerusalem again. You see, if we put our faith in God, she won't fall. We put our faith in alliances with other nations and other armies, she will fall. We put our faith in the rain god, Baal or Baal, in an agricultural society so we can get rich and be okay in our lives, it will fall. God is above and beyond, and God is worthy of our trust. Verse 7 sums it all up, and it's the only, the only line that's repeated twice. And as I've told you, in Hebrew, if you want to, to like underline something and say this is important, you repeat it. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord who sits enthroned, the Lord who has all the armies of heaven at his disposal, the Lord who is unchallengeable. You can't even challenge, seriously challenge God. He'll just defeat you. He is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And you know, if we know the Lord, if we've put our trust in what what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and we trust in him, well, let's, say, let's say your mountains are crumbling right now. I want you to know, you will ultimately be secure. Now, I do realize that everybody in here is going to have a moment in their life when their heart stops beating. I mean, you might be 99 years old when your heart stops beating, but it ain't going to beat forever. I'm not suggesting to you, if you just trust the Lord, you'll, you'll just live on forever. What I'm telling you is, is if you trust the Lord, the Lord will be the guide and the guard over your life, and there will be security. And when your heart stops beating, you'll go on to be with heaven in the new Jerusalem, and you'll be secure there as well. So your mountains are crumbling. What do we do? We get God-centered. God is our refuge and our strength. We get faith-oriented. Let's put our trust in the one who's above everything, the one who actually can bring change and, 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 and lead us and make this all right. And then third is we need to get still before the Lord. That's hard for Americans to get still 
Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, our stronghold. What a great word, be still. But you know, we're just so busy trying to make it all work for our lives. I mean, we've got to work with a lot of stuff. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we need to be hermits or monks and never deal with anything in the real world that all that sin. Well, I'm not saying that. We've got to handle all this stuff. The question is not whether we can handle it. The question is whether it's going to be God to us. We're going to have all kinds of relationships. The question is not whether God wants us to have relationships. The question is whether a person is going to be God to us or whether God is going to be God to us. And, and we're so busy trying to make it all work. And the, and the word literally means cease or stop striving. And, and the picture here is this. Put your arms down. I mean, we're just flailing away, you know, striving and trying to make it all work. It's exhausting. And God is saying here, look, the Lord is the Lord. The Lord will do this. Put your arms down. Look up. Look into the face of God and see that peace that you will have. Understand by faith that it's going to be Okay, it may not turn out exactly the way we want it, but God will be at work. Put your arms down and be at peace. Be still and know that I'm God. You know, I think that God would be saying something like this to us, many of us this morning. You tip your hat at me while you're just rushing around. But do you really know right now in your bones and believe that I am God you just keep on flailing and it's not going to work put your arms down and look at God sometimes people who have yet to put their trust in Christ can give us the best insights about Christians sometimes their insights hurt but are true (laughs) I remember watching a dreaded PBS series. If you've not seen the PBS series, The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell, please don't. Um, Joseph Campbell is the most famous mythologist in our day. Mythologist, basically his job for like 45, 46 years was to, to basically establish the fact, which is, not, which is not true, that all religions are essentially the same. And the way they are the same is that they're really not based in any kind of reality other than myth. And that, and that myth has power and that story, whether it's true or not, not has a psychological effect, which is a religious effect on us. <laughs> Campbell said in an interview, and I wrote down these words with Michael Tom's, The majority of my friends, and he's talking about Christians. He's living in America. Listen to this. The majority of my friends are living what Campbell called wasteland lives. Many of them are just baffled. They seem baffled and are wandering in the wasteland without any sense where the water is. The source that makes things green. This is Mr. Mythology looking around at people in the body of Christ going, they're so baffled. 
They're so just wandering around without any meaning. What he was basically saying is that I observed that American Christians are not that serious about their faith. They're just flailing. They're singing, standing on the promises on Sunday and flailing and making it all work out on their own as if God is not their refuge or their strength, you see. He's busting us big time about whether God, whether we know that the Lord is God and whether we put our trust, be still and know. And we are strivers, are we not? We are striving people. And, and we act like God is not with us and we crumble in our faith because we put faith in things that crumble more than God. Let me ask you this morning as we move to this table, where is your faith? Really? What are you hanging on to? Really hanging on to? Anything other than God will not provide the life that is truly life that God intended. Anything other than God will finally, at the end of the day, not be secure. Not be. In Christ, we no longer have to strive. You know what we do? We believe. And we follow. In Christ, we who are always trying to make our lives with everything can put our arms down and look into the radiant face of Jesus with the curse removed and have peace with God and follow after God and and know that just in a regular day in and day in out walk with God that God will lead us and uh, we can rest in the refuge you see we can live in the strength of Jesus' presence. Jesus is our Emmanuel. Don't you love that word? You know what Emmanuel means? It means God is with us. Jesus is the, our Emmanuel in the most powerful and personal way. In fact, he is the answer to the words in verse 7 and 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so we come to this table this morning where we can cease striving and rest in what he has done, show affection and belief, and rededicate ourselves to to hold on to him and let him lead us forth in this life. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that, that you would give us the knowledge of what we're hanging on to, all of us, myself included. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to let go of the striving and to put our trust in you, Jesus. If you've never put your trust in Christ and what he's done on the cross and you'd like to, just pray with me. Lord, I, I can't make it to you on my own. I'm just striving, striving. Thank you that you love me so much that you actually did everything necessary on my behalf On the cross, you took my sin, Jesus, and you paid the price for it so I could come to the Father. And I want to turn away from everything I've called religion and Christianity and just put my trust, Jesus, in what you've done. And Lord, we pray for those of us who've walked with you that even as we move into communion, you would just open up sweet trust and rest in the gospel. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.